and welcome to Therapy Etc. Podcast, a bi-monthly conversation where we will be discussing everyday life experiences that create an impact. And when you think about it, in one way or another, everything creates an impact. And therefore, all of these things also encompass mental health. I'm your host, Patricia Alvarado, a licensed mental health therapist and first-generation Latina from Los Angeles, California. To find more information, please visit my website, alvaradotherapy.org. And while I hope you love listening and learning from the podcast, it's not meant to be a substitute for mental health services. Okay, let's get started. Hello, welcome to another episode of Therapy Etc. I have a guest here with me today that's going to be sharing some of her experiences working in sports and more. So I will have her uh, get right in here. Well, hello, hello. Hi. <laughs> Welcome. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited to be here in your platform and have this engaging conversation with you. Thank you. I'm so happy that you're here. How are you feeling? Um, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling excited. I'm excited to kind of deep dive into this uh, and have a conversation with you. You know, we I know. know each other from a a personal level and uh-huh. it's always a pleasure to interact with you, to dialogue with you, to have good times with you. <laughs> yes, we have. <laughs> so I'm honored. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. So let's start by introducing you because I didn't really share who you are and what you do. So why don't we start there? Okay. So uh, my name is Janet Sevilla. Um, I'm a sister. I'm a tia. I am a daughter. Um, I'm a friend. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a granddaughter. Um, and then my day-to-day, I am a community philanthropist, corporate social responsibility professional, um, sports philanthropy. Mm-hmm. So in mm-hmm. essence, I'm a Latina woman that works in professional sports. Um, I've wow. been in the industry for over 13 years. Um, very hard to believe that it's been that long. Never <laughs> did I imagine I would come this far. Um, I started as a little girl, kind of really not interested in sports per se. Um, mm-hmm. I'm originally from Los Angeles, California. Um, I currently live in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, my career brought me here, um, but most of my childhood has been in Los Angeles. Um, I'm from Ecuadorian and Nicaraguan parents. So both mm-hmm. Central and South America. Um, my family still lives in Los Angeles there. Um, went to college at UC Santa Barbara. So go Gauchos, which is where we see each other. Graduated there with a degree in Black Studies and Spanish and Sports Management. And so mm-hmm. uh, um, went to high school in Los Angeles, Los Angeles High School for anyone that's from the area. And pretty much um, have dedicated a good amount of my time in philanthropy work and both in um, sports and then also uh, dabbed into some diversity, equity, and inclusion. So from a professional perspective, wow. that's um, from a personal perspective, um, I'm a runner. I enjoy running. Uh-huh. Um, I'm a tia to a large group of nieces and nephews. I have about 14 nieces and nephews, a lot. Oh my goodness, we have that in common. I have 15. <laughs> I, um, I come from a very big family. Um, some, of, some of them reside here in Georgia, LA, and also New York. And of course, um, my parents' mother country as well. Um, I enjoy reading. Let's see what else. I enjoy hanging out with friends, kind of getting to know each other. Um, I do enjoy being outdoors, so definitely mm-hmm. it's something that kind of rejuvenates me per se, but yeah, mm-hmm. that's, you, you'll always find me probably listening to some type of podcast. Like I mentioned, I enjoy reading I'm a big history snub. I like museums as well. So yeah. I'm You're doing it, girl. I love it. <laughs> I love it. So you said that uh, from a young age, you weren't really interested in sports, but now you find yourself in that industry. How did that even happen? So honestly, you know, I have to give credit to my older brother, George. Um, When I was a kid, he was living with me and my grandmother. And 
um, I grew up in Pico Union and it wasn't the safest neighborhood per se. And so mm -hmm. um, he convinced my grandmother to allow me to enroll into a youth center called LA Rest Shield. And that's really where I got my first introduction to sports. He enrolled me in water polo, which I have didn't have any experience whatsoever, but it was really uh -huh. my outlet to be able to first leave the home um, uh -huh. and second, be able to kind of make some friends and really kind of be in a group setting. Um, for context, um, at five years old, um, my I went to go live with my grandmother. And so I was mm -hmm. raised by her. And so the youth center was only a couple of blocks away. And so that was really my first interaction with sports um, is just being on, on a team perspective and kind of getting to know people. I wasn't the most athletic kid, um, but there was a moment at that youth center that completely changed my life that later on set the path to, to the career that I am in today. And I'll never forget this. Um, it was a sports banquet that we had. And um, we had uh, an LA Lakers player by the name of AC Green, which I'm sure everybody knows, came to the youth center mm -hmm. and it was a rewards banquet and he was calling the kid's name up and he called my name up and I came up and he gave me this trophy. And I'm just like in awe, like, what is this? And that will always stay in my mind um, because as we'll continue talking, um, it ended up being some of the work that I did. And so I never, that to me changed my life, but I didn't realize to the extent that it will, it would. Um, yeah. Did you even know who he was at that time? I, well, I did not know who he was because like I said, I wasn't really interested in it. And I was kind of, I say I was forced into it because like I mentioned, my brother would take me to the youth center and when I would come home from school, I wasn't, I want I had to fight with my older brother to watch TV and I always lost <laughs> them. So, uh, most of my time I would sit down and we would sit there and watch Chicago Bulls games during the Jordan era. And we would watch, uh. games and we would watch Baker games and I didn't really have much of a choice and I didn't understand the game, um, but it was the activity that me and my brother did. And so I've always shared that with him that I wouldn't be in this path if it wasn't for him. And then fast forward, I, I say, I didn't become actively an athlete um, until I was in high school. Um, mm -hmm. In high school, I was a three-sport athlete. I played basketball, volleyball. I did swimming. Um, I developed a lot of uh, great relationships from then. A lot of my good friends that I still keep in touch with today that were my teammates. Mm -hmm. And that helped me develop a lot of skill sets and being disciplined and kind of um, being able to take a leadership position and being able to kind of step out of my comfort zone. And I say this with, I'm the type of athlete that I learned how to play. I, yeah, I'm like you weren't born into it, right? Yeah, I wasn't born into it. My family did not, you know, I think my dad used to swim when he was a kid. I think my mom did too. I know one of my brothers played football and lacrosse, but for the most part, um, you know, I, I didn't, I, saw it as a, I was a student athlete. And so I kept my grades up. I was always eligible to, to play in sports. And then I would say in college, um, you know, I tried out for the women's basketball team, didn't quite make it. You know, I did have a dream of being in the WNBA, but, you know, I, from, from a skill set perspective, I, I wasn't quite developed and I was pretty short too. And so um, in college, it, that's kind of where the transformation of, sports as an athlete to learning the business perspective um, started. Mm -hmm. um, I worked mm -hmm. at recreational sports at UC Santa Barbara, started off um, in the office. Um, mm -hmm. then I remember you working there. Did you? Girl, I lived at that gym like no other. <laughs> yes, you did. I mean, I would only go de vez en cuando, but you were there. <laughs> I was there. And so I always had that, that kind of interest in it. Um, didn't know there was a business aspect at all didn't see women in the business aspect um mm -hmm. and so I always had a foot in philanthropy I do want to say that as a kid like I mentioned I was one of the kids that went to the youth centers I was involved in the YMCA club I was in boys and girls club and so out of a lot of these groups that later on in my professional career I'm able to contribute back to it and so I always had kind of those two niches never knew what it was and then I would say back in college, um, 
I don't know, I think you might have been there, but there was this like soccer fundraiser that we did with uh, Ch Chivas and it was in response to a hurricane relief and I was able to I gather. I might have. Yeah, I was at uh, Harder Stadium, the soccer stadium. Uh-huh, yeah, yeah. And it was a fundraiser and it was the first time this like major sports team, international by the way, came into the, the city and we were able to, I was part of the planning committee and was able to kind of galvanize my friends from different organizations and ask them to come and volunteer. My director at that time and the department head were completely impressed. And I was like, oh my God, this feels pretty cool. Really, really mm -hmm. nice. Mm -hmm. um, and then it was one of those where I didn't really quite understand what the role is. Like I knew there was athletes involved. Um, again, most of my exposure was to kind of on the male side of, of sports. Yeah. Um, I did a lot of recreational sports as well. Did some intramurals, did some basketball, did some uh, volleyball, some sorts. So that highly influenced what it is that I do now and how it evolved sort of being on the, on the pitch or on the court to the professional business side of it. Mm -hmm. Wow. What a journey so far, because like, it's definitely, or what I'm hearing is that your brother forced you to do this. And then you <laughs> kind of like, yeah, yeah. But like, you definitely like flourished into it because after graduation, then you went off and I know that you were playing with, um, was it galaxy that you were, or not playing? Yeah. So there's a very working cool story to that one too. <laughs> yeah, I want to know all about it. <laughs> Ooh, okay, so you know we hung out on the RBR a lot, and I changed my major several times when I was in Santa Barbara. Um, I ended up with a, a major in Black Studies and Spanish and Sports Management. And so, why Black Studies? Um, during my uh, during my under undergrad or the last couple of years, I had taken a class with Professor Otis Madison, who. If you've ever taken a class with him, he is definitely a leader, a thought leader in diversity, equity, inclusion. And this particular class was focused on um, Black athletes and activism in sports. And so oh. I learned about the role that Black athletes had um, in being able to make change within our society and culture and some of the inequities they experienced. Um, I became a lot more interested in sort of the role that women took as well to be able to gain an equal platform in participation as far as an athlete and so that definitely sort of opened sort of like a little fire within me I became intrigued about it like I mentioned I enjoy history and learning about it and mm -hmm. I had reading a thesis paper on um, higher education and uh, minority athletes particularly black athletes and kind of the 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 how looking at how a lot of them would probably leave college prior to and do they develop a backup plan for that? Because if they don't have the longevity within the sports industry, then what do they fall back on? And so that opened me up um, a lot to figure out, you know, how can I make an impact in sports on the business side and use community, for example. And um, right after, right before I graduated um, Santa Barbara, I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. I was completely burned out. Um, and I wasn't sure if I kind of had the capacity to go into grad school, but I also mm -hmm. wanted to do something in, in sports. I did not know what it is. And so mm -hmm. after college, um, I went and decided that I was going to take a trip. Um, I went to Spain. I went to Spain for about three months and stayed. I don't know if I knew about that. I, I was, I was a year younger, so I was probably still stressing over senior year. You probably, yeah, you were like, it was, yes, because I, yes, it was, it was December. Ooh, I can't even remember, but I went to Spain, um, with the, I stayed over there with some friends and I'll never forget this. I was sitting across the street of Camp Nou, which is FC Barcelona's stadium. So if you've ever traveled there and there's a really beautiful park, which I'm still hoping is there. And I remember um, I couldn't get internet access at my friend's house. So I went over to the park, started kind of looking in there. And um, the big the big announcement, sports international announcement was made that David Beckham was going to Los Angeles, particularly LA Galaxy, to come and yes. play. Yep. Like, oh my God, that's so cool. 
And I was like, oh, that'd be cool if I could, you know, it, it, if I could maybe like work for them. Mind you, I say this, that I was never a soccer fan at that time. It's changed now. Um, and, you know, my money was running dry and I needed to come home. <laughs> so I came home. Um, but in that, I made the decision that I was not going to go to grad school, that I was going to work in some capacity to work in sports. I didn't know what that was. I told mm -hmm. myself I was going to give myself about a year and then you see how I was, how that was going to work out for me. And so came back, um, and a good friend of mine, um, from Santa Barbara, her and I had done uh, Lakers camp together. So I, I will say that while I was at Santa Barbara, I had the opportunity to work Lakers camp first as an intern, then came back a couple of summers, um, as a administrative um, staff member and built a really great yeah. relationship and came wow. back. And I remember that when I came back, I had um, a friend who kind of sent me the job description of an internship at the Galaxy. And I was like, well, it's, you know, I read it. It was community. I didn't know exactly what that was yet, but I saw in the job description, it, it said, you know, working with nonprofit organizations and um, giving out um, t donated tickets and um, mm -hmm. sending out auction items. And I say that with, I had that experience previously before. So I was like, okay, I think I could do this. Um, mm -hmm. So I, mm -hmm. I applied for it and lo and behold, I got it. And I remember those days when you used to work there and the very long hours I remember doing, like, remember we used to go get yogurt yes. at like 8 p.m. on like a random yes. like Wednesday or something. <laughs> yeah. And so that was my very first, well, I don't, that was sort of my very first like introduction into it. But um, mm -hmm. the catch to that was I, um, it was an internship. So I say that with, it was free labor and I had to be a student. And so at that time I was already graduating out of high school and that was kind of really the only barrier for me to get that position. And so I went and I enrolled at South uh, West LA college and oh, you were graduating uh, from college. You had already graduated from college. I had already, right. I had already graduated from college and they were only okay. one of the requirements is that you needed to receive student credit, academic credit. And so I was like, okay. well, I'm not in school and I'm not going to go back to Santa Barbara and, and so I'm like, well, let me go enroll into the community college. And I went to go talk to their career advisor, um, enrolled in like two online classes and one like career development class, um, had a conversation with her and told her like what my vision was that I wanted to get this internship. I qualified. I went through the interview process, but the barrier was that I need to get school credit. So like, what, what can we be, what can we do? Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I will forever be grateful for her because she allowed me to enroll in her class. And we would meet um, every week. Um, I would have to write a report about what my job, what were my job responsibilities. And so um, I wow. say that with, I, I figured it out uh, in that sense. And that was where I really started falling in love with sports philanthropy. I was in a position to be able to raise money and then turn it around and invest it back in the community. Um, I was able to, you know, do soccer clinics, um, Easter egg cons, all of these sorts of things. And it also gave me an opportunity to kind of start building my network and start looking at some of the nonprofits that I was a part of and be able mm -hmm. to kind of get them involved as well. And so wow. that was, that was the very first, first start per se. Wow. So, you know, you're sharing all of these things and earlier you mentioned that there's not a lot of women in this industry. How has that piece been for you? Because like you said, like you traveled, you now, you're now in Atlanta uh, because work took you there. Um, but what are some of the challenges that you are a woman, not only a woman, but a woman of color and you are in these spaces where my assumption is it's all men, but you tell me. So it is a male dominated industry. Um, one of the first challenges I would say is being first generation Latina there are not, there were, and, I, and I'm, I'm, I'm happy that I'm saying were because it's changing. When I first started, there were not that many Latinas in sports. I didn't know them. I didn't come across them. There were definitely women that I came a, a, across that um, from different 
um, ethnic backgrounds, but the majority, there was no Latina women. And so being first generation, one of my challenges was like, how do you, one, learning how to navigate what corporate is. Um, I'm the, I come from a family of five siblings and I'm the only one that went to college um, and graduated and mm-hmm. I'm in a corporate job per se is, is what kind of people would view it. Um, but my parents are blue collar individuals. And, mm-hmm. and so, you know, challenges that I would have, they wouldn't understand or when I would try to speak to them about it, um, they you know, they would, they would tell me to kind of stay calm, to just go to work and kind of put your head down and, and do Yeah, things. that's a common so, message. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, you know, also, um, I would say that early on my, my, uh, th- there were some men that were mentors and advocates for me that were able to guide me in the path. Um, what I, Early on in my career, I was so focused in learning how to do the job, first of all. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And second, I was always, I had a fear that if I wasn't doing my job well, that someone else can just kind of step into my job and kind of push me away because, you know, everyone's knocking at the door and everyone wants to work for these sports teams. And so once- Super competitive. it, It is super competitive. It, it is extremely super competitive, but I feel like how the industry has evolved, there is so much more opportunities out there now. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was always looking for that woman that can help guide me. And the women that I initially came across um, were helpful in kind of getting the, the job done, but weren't investing in the time to really have me grow. And that was a lesson that I had to learn. And I still, and I continue to learn. And I'm even learning now that, you know, not every single person that you come across is interested in your professional growth and that you have to be the one that to actively take steps to make yourself grow. I'm, I'm curious about that because you're sharing that there's, there's women in the same industry, um, that were working with you, but it sounds like they were not very, like they were there to help you do the, or to manage you in the job functions, but not in like the supportive role or like the, you know, having bigger conversations surrounding, hey, let's stick together. We're women in the sports industry. Is that, is that kind of what it sounds like? Yeah. How, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm a little like surprised because I would think that it's like, let's stick together. We got this, but what do you think were the barriers there? So I, I say that with, it's not, it's not, I don't want to generalize it. There was, there was a small segment of women that I didn't come in contact with. And then there was, there was a even bigger segment of women that have been extremely supportive and Part of me was also looking at the support um, in the wrong at the, in the wrong way, like expecting someone to invest in my growth without realizing one, were they interested in two, did they have the capacity for it, and three, were they really interested in developing someone? And so, um, early on in my career, I was introduced to an organization called Wise, which is Women in Sports and in Events that I'm still involved in now. And they were the very first group of women that I saw kind of outside of my day to day that were providing the mentorship, providing the the career panels, providing the conversation that I was um, craving for from a personal mm-hmm. and a professional perspective. And so really kind of leaned into that group of women, got involved with them, um, mm-hmm. was able to make really good contacts. And in fact, when I moved from LA to Atlanta, I got connected from the chapter in LA to the chapter in Atlanta. And oh. so, so, so you already had like a, like a home base, so to speak. Yes. And so oh. I, I also say this with, to kind of answer your question about the, there's, there's a few, I have had experiences of a few women that were not supportive Mm -hmm. and it was, I, I I don't, I, part of me really didn't understand why they weren't. 
Um, mm -hmm. I would have to say that probably competition is probably one thing as well. Kind of having that mindset of, you know, having to compete for different roles, which in my yeah. perspective, like there's enough room to be able to collaborate. Yeah. I'm big on that. I, I always say that like there's enough, uh, clients work for everybody. Yes, there is. I will have to say this, that being in, being in the years that I am now, um, I'm excited of how the industry has evolved for women. There has mm -hmm. been tremendous growth. There has been tremendous leaders um, that have been extremely vocal. And this notion that there is no value in women's sports is just not true. There is tremendous value in it. And a lot of it is collaborating, finding the right collaborators to be able to amplify voices. And so now I, I see Latina leaders. I see Latina mentors. I myself uh, am leaning into that role as well because mm -hmm. I don't want the next generation of not only Latina women, but just any women of color to kind of go through the rough patches that I experienced. I'm grateful mm -hmm. for the rough patches because they definitely made me who I am today. Um, mm -hmm. But I say that with, it's been sort of a long time coming. I could only imagine a Latina woman working in sports in the eighties. <laughs> well, I don't even know if that was, that was actually happening. I mean, it feels like up until, I don't know. I just saw this a few weeks ago that there's like a new, is it like a, a sports anchor, a woman sports anchor, a Latina woman? a Latina sports anchor or something like this that I saw recently. Um, maybe she's not a sports anchor. I'd have to go back and fact check, but it was like a big deal because it was a woman in sports that was like in a higher role than, than what is normally seen. Yes. So, you so these are just paths that are barely getting created right now. And that for me, I'm excited for it. Don't get me wrong. I'm super excited to see women, women and women of color become VPs in organizations. I'm excited to see women step into being anchors, to being coaches, both on the men's and the women's side of sports, to be able to see um, Latinas take on media companies and, and become um, owners of sports teams or to become owners of leagues. Like mm -hmm. I, I'm excited for the next generation that is coming, but it does, but there's so much more work to do. And yeah. there is so much, um, breaking down of, of stereotypes and misconceptions uh, within it. Um, and, and to me, I would think that by this time, like we should be far ahead. Far ahead. Yes. And yeah, it's like, we're, we're just like scraping. Uh, I'm thinking about a path and we're just, you know, uh, brushing the leaves from side to side right now, you know, cleaning the sidewalk slowly. Yeah. Um, I, because it I, sounds and it feels like a hard and long path still. It is a hard and long path. Um, I also firmly believe that the reason probably the story of how it's evolved has to do because there was never people in those spaces to kind of break their barriers. And so I always found myself telling my inner self, like, you're, you're the only Latina in the room. And I'm like, it felt so uncomfortable. I, there were days where I felt invisible. There were days where I felt small. Mm -hmm. There were days where I was, mm -hmm. it was hard for me to speak up and realizing that I was a sense propping the door open or and for it to be fully open. I really needed, I had to lean into that power mm -hmm. and not be scared of it. Um, not be, and go into it knowing that if I do make a mistake, well, then I'm going to learn from it. And mm -hmm. so being sort of the first in the path um, is an honor. And I can only imagine women who are at sort of that in front of world audiences. I could only imagine some of the fears that they experienced as well. And when I hear their stories, I'm like, oh my God, so-and-so experienced this and I did too. And so there's that commonality there. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But when you find yourself in these spaces, and even if it happens now, like, how do you find the strength to to still go back in there? Because I'm imagining like being in a room and everybody is like a white man, you know, for example. And and then here we are because, you know, being in these spaces, like I've been in, in the corporate world and I'm the only person of color or I'm the only Latina in the room. I remember just kind of like nodding yes or nodding no or 
not really saying what I was thinking or calling things out because it was seen as, or I felt that maybe my voice wasn't important enough. So how do you find the strength to still stay in these spaces and speak up now if, if you're feeling more comfortable to do so? Um, early on, so there's a part of me that is extremely extroverted. And then there's also a part of me that's introverted as well. Mm-hmm. And when I was brought in, when I was brought to the table early on, um, I would sit and observe the dynamic. Who were the people that were driving the bus? Who were the people that were agreeing, that were disagreeing? And I was always very curious on the people that would always disagree um, or challenge the group. And I, mm-hmm. I liked that and I leaned towards that. And so I would pay attention mm-hmm. to that. Um, I would say that most of my early career, I, I just did what I was told and I realized that I needed to develop my own voice. I would say that as I continued to grow, um, there was always a sense of discomfort in calling out things that either weren't, um, weren't probably wouldn't be seen in a good light, um, Mm -hmm. from the outside perspective. Um, and also realizing opportunities that maybe I had tried with the previous organization that I think would be awesome for them to try. Mm Um, I'm guilty of being silent sometimes. Um, Mm -hmm. but also the times that I have taken the steps and calling things out, um, they resulted in change. And for me, that's that's made those moments a lot worth it. Um, yeah, yeah, sure moments. Um, that recently mm-hmm. happened to me. Um, I was on a client call and we were talking about a, a an event that was coming up and they were looking at different stops to do. And so there was a conversation about kind of doing a photo op with the community of color and it rubbed me the wrong way. I was like, but you're going to do X, Y, and Z. You're going to insert this group here. But I see the big thing, but after what we've, what we have been through and currently going through, like that doesn't seem extremely genuine to me. Um, Yeah. It seems like just like a prop, a prop photo. Exactly. And um, I called it out. I called it out and I, I was completely transparent that when I heard you speak that you were going to do X, Y, and Z, it kind of rubbed me the wrong way. And Mm -hmm. from uh, a brand perspective, I don't think that would be a good, Thing for you to take on right now um and I was very proud that I that I did that at the time that I had concluded that meeting I was very frustrated that people were still kind of thinking that way um mm-hmm. and when in in it also I was I'm not gonna lie I was scared <laughs> you're like what's gonna happen after I I get off this call <laughs> I say this because I, there have been key moments in my career where I have called things out and I have either been ignored or I have been, um, you know, reprimanded is not the right word, but something's been brought to my attention that kind of presented was not in line with what the, the general consensus is. And I'm like, you just need a different perspective and you're trying to reach a different audience. And so, um, I, I am leaning towards that being one of my talents to kind of being able to see sort of like the cracks in mm-hmm. the cracks from the perspective of opportunities. Mm-hmm. Like there is so much growth. If you were maybe to tweak your messaging in this perspective, if you were to maybe collaborate with this organization in this perspective. Um, I did a lot of that in, in, in my role, um, as, as manager and being able to kind of create a brand, um, one of the projects that I'm very um, proud of that I was able to contribute is um, kind of launching the Spanish brand for the Atlanta Braves, Los Bravos, and being able how to figure out how to talk to the Latino community, understanding the different uh, Latino communities there are in Atlanta, and how do you mm-hmm. talk to them? And also understanding um, how do you do messaging between the first generation um, and individuals that have immigrated here, third generations, and kind of get them excited to it. And so, um, and also understanding sort of the overall society inequities that prevent them Mm -hmm. from engaging in sports as 
you know, I would normally, um, or, or opportunities that because the resources are not there, they, you know, what I would take for a leisure activity, like I think back that like maybe my parents at one time probably would have not been able to enjoy some of the activities that I did from a professional standpoint. So I say that when it comes with experience. Um, I have this acronym that was given to me by one of my uh, bosses um, about fear. And it was, uh, he would always- I'm gonna write this one down. Are you? I've got to give credit to my old boss, um, Holly from UCSB Recreational Sports. And so he had an acronym called False Expectations About Reality. And so mm. there were instances where I have, when I do feel this sort of fear, and I also listen to my body too. That was one thing that I've gotten better at is tuning into the signs my body gives me. So if I start feeling like a little bit uneasy or like my, I'm list, I'm getting better listening to my, the, the unrest in my soul and just leaning into it. And, and the word, and I always ask myself at the end when I'm in doubt, like what's the worst that can happen and what the worst that can happen, I write it down. And then what's the, it, I write it down. So it kind of just like leaves my mind. And then it I use its power. Yeah. And so I say that with, um, it's almost been like this superpower that I've been getting comfortable leaning into the last, uh, I would say maybe like five years or so, if you want to put a time frame on it. Mm-hmm. But I just think about other women that, you know, I, I think about, you know, women from the U.S. Uh, women's soccer team that have called out the inequity in pay and they have yep. fought for for equal pay for the work that they're doing at the highest level in their career. I think about the women who may have had a very uncomfortable, unfortunate circumstance within their professional career um, and were brave enough to step up to the plate and kind of call it out. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's these different fears because um, unfortunately, and I think this is evolving. I would have to say this, unfortunately, early on in my career, you know, you're taught this message that like everyone, everyone's trying to get into the industry. Everyone's trying to break into the industry and that you don't want to like shine away from your reputation or kind of be sort of like spotlighted in a negative way or that you can't get in because the community is small. I'm not going to lie. The community is. Mm -hmm. Everybody knows each other. I'm assuming one way or another. Everybody knows each other in (laughs) one way or another. And so I say that with, you know, having the power to call things out is a super strength that I wish I I knew early in my career. And Mm -hmm. I wish someone had, I want to say coach me through it. But what I have learned is that I had to learn it for myself. Mm -hmm. And I had to learn my own voice. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. to wait for someone or some book or some Instagram post or something, tell me the rules. It just, that it just wasn't going to apply for me. And you mm-hmm. have to be okay with trying something out and it doesn't work out and try something, try something different. Di- different. Yeah. So now that you are in Atlanta, um, you're working with the Braves, right? Actually, no, I'm not. No, you're not working with the Braves anymore. Oh, well, you no. were working with the Braves. I was working with them. I did. So I actually moved on from the Braves um, in 2020. I uh, took some time off and reset. Um, and right at the beginning of the pandemic, um, I got the opportunity to work with the Georgia World Congress Center, which is equivalent oh. to, I would say, kind of like LA Convention Center for folks in LA. And so they are the number one um, sports and entertainment venue um, in the world, hospitality. So they host trade shows, they host conferences, they host sporting events, um, any major sporting event to the city they're involved in. So they were very critical for Super Bowl for um, in 2020. um, I was going to have the opportunity to work on the final four, which was super exciting for me. And of course, you know, kind of mm, mimic game and mm. That didn't happen. Um, but yeah, I, I've been with the organization um, a little old. Well, I just, it's actually, believe it or not. About a year? About a year, yes. Oh my so goodness. It's, 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 a, 
it's a it's a left turn is what I call it because it's not a sports team, um, but they are an integral business of the state of Georgia. Like they bring in so much business into mm -hmm. the state and they um, pour into the community a lot as well. And so my role there is I'm the manager of sustainability and corporate social responsibility. And so I was brought into the organization to help elevate their philanthropy platform and also help support them continuing in their sustainability initiatives, which for me, um, it's a new subject matter. And so I've been learning so much about it and mm -hmm. learning how philanthropy, environmental impact interconnect with one another. Um, there's an opportunity. You're doing it, Mujer. I love it. <laughs> there's an opportunity I love it. to still work with different nonprofit organizations. Um, it's in hospitality and tourism. I have a huge interest in international sporting events. Um, and I felt with this opportunity, I would have uh, a chance to dab into a different part of the industry. So there's still a, a touch point with sports there. I had the opportunity to work the NBA um, All-Star Game this year with State Farm Arena um, through oh my, my connection with sustainability. And so I was able to help support them. They have an awesome team over at State Farm Arena that handles their um, sustainability initiative. And so um, a, a woman there, actually, um, she was the very, she, she led the efforts there. And I'm so extremely proud of her and to be learning from her. Um, she created the very first NBA All-Star Game that was zero waste free. And that is- Wow. An awesome accomplishment. I learned so much from her and became very um, inspired to kind of bring to to be able to kind of learn more about the space and be able to figure out how me in the work that I'm doing can make that impact. Yeah. So I'm in two spaces, um, and I'm and I'm liking it. It's definitely a lot of of learning. So it, it kind of feels like this was like the culmination of all of the things that you've been doing, like. Um, working in sports, but then also the philanthropy piece and meshing the two together um, because of, of working in this space. And like you said, like there's, you still have interaction with sports and so much more and a variety of them too. So it gives you, it really gives you the opportunity to, to learn more than just, um, I know you've done soccer and you've done baseball, right? And, yeah. and, and basketball in college too. So it gives me, gives you a, it gives you the opportunity to have experience kind of like across the board. Yes. Good for you. I'm so happy for you. Thank you. I Because, you know, like we don't see this. Like I feel we don't see mujeres like you in these spaces. And so hearing you and just kind of like hearing about your journey, I'm like, as you're sharing, I'm like visualizing it, how it was for you in these spaces. Um, and, and in these spaces, I've had my days, girl. There were days where I didn't know. Um, if I really, there were days where I didn't know if I wanted to kind of continue in the space. You know, I didn't share this earlier, um, but right before um, I had, right right before, you know, I worked with the, the Galaxy as an intern. Um, one thing I did is um, I went to work for the Lakers for about a year. And that's where I really, th that second opportunity to work with the Lakers in community relations really like set in stone that I wanted to do um, sports philanthropy and corporate social responsibility. And mm -hmm. while I was working for them, um, I decided, I had already decided that I was going to go back to grad school and I was in the middle of grad school applying and, and going to them. And then I got a call from what would have been, I got the call from the director of my former department and asked me to come and kind of help in in the office for a couple of days. And so I said, sure, you know, that I don't mind at all. And I'll never forget, I'm sitting in, in the office um, and I said to myself, you know what? I think I can do this job. Like I'm doing it now. Why not apply for it? And there was a part of me internally that was saying, no, but you're going to go to grad school. Like that that's was the, the next step. step. And I said, and, and I was, I was scared that I wasn't going to get it. Um, and I went ahead and I applied for it and I went through the interview process and I got it. And I had to make a decision about, are you going to take this full-time job or are you going to go to grad school? And then I also had to make a decision. I'm like, well, are you going to leave the Lakers? And everybody's like, you're going to leave the Lakers? And I'm like, um, like, 
and I wanted some benefits. Like, yeah. <laughs> I like the insurance. Yeah. Uh-huh. And so I made the decision to put grad school on pause. Um, had phenomenal bosses at the Lakers, and they were able to work with me. And then I started my journey with the Galaxy, and I was there for seven amazing seasons. I got to win a championship with them um, and learned so much there. Um, I will have to say this. Um, with my Lakers opportunity, I had actually applied for that role like two years before or a year, a year and a half. Uh, and I didn't get it. And now you're like, um, snap, snap. <laughs> I did not get it. I remember, I remember, I, I must've been like the year after my senior year in Santa Barbara and I applied for it and I didn't get it. And I cried so much. I'm like, no, I didn't get it. And a year and a half or maybe two years later, I applied for it. It happened to be the same role, but it was different. It was actually like, it wasn't an, an internship at that time anymore. And I mm-hmm. applied for it. Um, the difference was, but there were two differences I have to attribute. One is I build my network. And so the people that I had met through camp were critical in helping to be the inside voices and speak my name in the room. And two, mm-hmm. I had gained the experience through the, uh, through some of, through my internship with the galaxy. And so I was very blessed that it happened the way that it did. And it definitely that experience led to the galaxy full-time and the galaxy full-time led me to the Braves. And I was with the Braves for uh, seven seasons and that, you know, experience there led me to where I am now. So I say this with almost kind of like a domino effect and not knowing, you know, it, it, you just don't know where the, your career path or who you meet is going to, speak your name in the room, like I mentioned, and kind of be your advocate. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So we're going to start wrapping up, but before we do, um, are you going to make it back to LA? The Olympics <laughs> are happening. I mean, I need to know, am I going to have an inside scoop here? Trying to, you know, put my name in the, in the, <laughs> in, in the pile of names that people probably ask you. So, you know, you are not the only person that has asked me that. Um, I, I am an LA girl. I have LA in my heart. I do have the desire to come back. Um, but I still feel like I have some impact left to do here in Atlanta. Um, the community here has definitely embraced me. Um, Mm -hmm. I've had, I've built an amazing network, both professionally and personally, um, and there's still a lot of community impactful work to do. And so I don't have a timeline of when, you know, I'm, I'm going to leave it up to the beans above to figure it out for me because they have yeah. brought me this far. So I'm uh-huh. sure that they know what they have, but don't get me started. I am fully aware <laughs> about LA Olympics 2028. And I, I definitely want to, I want to work the Olympics. I do. I want to throw it out there. Girl. Take me with you. You know, like, you know, whatever you need me to do, just I'm in the mix, you know, snap some photos. (laughs) You know, and there's, there's so many, you know, before the Olympics, the World Cup is coming here and I want to have some role in that. And so, like I said, having kind of this, uh, stepping into international big, big sporting events that come into the cities, understanding how that dynamic works. That's a whole nother sort of avenue in the space as well and the women that are running that space too has changed and it's exciting it's super exciting to see how many women are running sort of the olympic space the inter- the sort of ncaa um the world cup space so yeah uh, we'll just and then we have the new team here in la um yes the new city. women's team yes i'm like all the women up there i love it there's eva longoria and america ferreira and um, who else is in there? Natalie Portman's in there. So there's a few um, other I people. Believe, uh, Serena Williams, her daughter. Serena Williams, that's I think, right. I think Candace Parker is too, if I'm not mistaken. But there's a there's a few women that. So I like, say that with amazing. how encouraging is that? Oh my goodness, yeah. all of these women who are taking um, ownership in on a, on a on a who are taking roles as owners you know I, I have to brag about our Atlanta dream here we have Renee Montgomery who um, is a former WNBA um, athlete that you know she took a, a year to um, be developed her athlete activism and she became very vocal when it what came when 
she became very vocal and supportive um, mm -hmm. with the Georgia elections and being able to get the vote out was critical here in the state of Georgia, as everybody knows. We we mm -hmm. flipped blue here, and and um, she just recently became an owner of the Atlanta Dream, the the team that she used to play on. Let me oh tell you, oh my god, that is that is freaking awesome. Um, I, and the former owner, if people didn't follow, the former owner of, of the team was one of the candidates that was running and, you know, was, was not, was, her rhetoric was not, it just, just wasn't right. And so mm -hmm. for her to be a former player, to then take on the role of being an owner, that is powerful. That is some boss moves. I mean, incredible. Mm -hmm. And I'm so excited to see what she's going to do with that team. That is so awesome. I love hearing these stories. I didn't know about that, but I love it. I'm so excited for your journey, all the things that you've done, all the hard work. I remember the late nights, Mujer, is paying off, I hope. It sounds Thank like it you. is. Thank you. I mean, there were a couple of conferences. I traveled to New York and, you know, yeah. you let me crash on your couch because, well, let's just say you were, you have been supportive through this growth as well. And I cannot thank you enough. Oh, of course, of course. Always a pleasure. And when you come to LA, let me know. I have another couch you could crash on. <laughs> I will take you up on that offer. <laughs> <laughs> For real. Bueno, any last minute words to the people that are watching us or hearing us? Um, you know, I definitely want to encourage anyone that wants to take on this path of careers in sports to kind of go with it, uh, open mind. Um, mm -hmm. definitely the network is growing. I am happy to open my emails and my LinkedIn to share this experience with anyone that's interested in it. Um, we have briefly touched on this or, or you had mentioned one of the things you had asked to me, like ways of keeping self-care. I don't yep. think self-care is a topic that is, it's actually, it's, it takes this, it wasn't addressed early in my career. And I say this with, I did experience some burnout really really bad burnout from the perspective of, you know, I dedicated so much time to it. Um, part of it was not having a balance. Um, you know, we always talk about work-life balance and I've come to learn that in this field, it's really work-life integration and having mm -hmm. an understanding of what um, the expectations are of what your workload is, um, setting boundaries, learning how to say yeah. no learning how to say no. That's a big one. Yeah. And not feeling guilty about it, being okay with your truth, that this is, this is what you need in this moment. And that's, and if that no is part of it, that's okay. Yes. I would have to say that um, the last year and a half, even though we've been through a pandemic, I definitely focused a lot on self-care and caring for myself, both from a mental perspective, um, a health perspective and eating. Um, like I mentioned, I'm a runner. I like exercise for me fills my cup. I can mm -hmm. tell that if I go three days max without some type of exercise, like my, I, I become heavy. I, I feel heavier. I, I don't feel. And then, yeah. Stuff starts building up. At least that's what happens with me. I'm like, 100%. I need to do something. I need to do something. Um, four years ago, um, I started journaling. I have this little book. It's a five-year plan. Um, it has mm -hmm. a prompt per night. Uh -huh. I fill it out. And I started that as a result of um, going on five years now. Um, I experienced probably the most devastating loss of my life, um, my grandmother transition. And that completely like shook me to my ground. Mm -hmm. And I... I didn't know how to ask for help. I didn't know mm -hmm. how to cope with the emotions. I didn't know any of that. And so um, I was gifted. Um, there was that book and I was gifted another book as well that got me kind of writing. Um, mm -hmm. And I also have to say, you know, seeking professional help. I reached out to a grief counselor and started doing some grief counseling to kind of help me through the different emotions of it. Um, I look oh, at wow. your profession and as, as, as a profession that it, it's not anything different than going to the dentist or going to go get your annual women exam or you're going to go right. get your annual doctor exam. 
exactly. And we don't have those conversations, um, at least in, in, in our community, Latino community, we don't. It's getting better. I would have to say that. It's getting better. So those are- It also depends on who you ask though, because I feel like in certain spaces, it's still like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so it's, it's very slow and subtle. Yes, very slow and subtle. So, um, and also kind of investing your time with the people that matter. That to me is self-care. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I did this when I first started working in baseball um, and I will forever thank one of my friends. Um, I, start, I invested in a, uh, a massage membership. <laughs> and can I tell oh, you, it is the most, like that's how I show self care and self-love for myself but on the days where I'm just like okay I need I I need some wellness I I go to it and I I've been I've been a member for about eight years now and I am such a huge advocate for it oh my goodness I love that life changing and I'm still learning you know I'm still learning some things so last minute words um and I do want to just say that I love hearing that you journal because I think there's there's a lot of healing through words and written words specifically. So I am so happy to hear that you journal. I'm a big journaler. I've always had like a diary ever since I was a kid. And that's just kind of like, you know, transition into now journaling. Um, oh. So I'm a big, I'm a big advocate for that. So the power with that, um, one of my greatest fears early on when I lost my grandmother was um, forgetting about her and forgetting about what her, oof, what her voice looked like, um, mm-hmm. her images and all that. And one thing that I learned, leaned into, whew, one thing that I leaned oh, into here. journaling is um, anytime I have a dream with her, I write it down. Mm-hmm. I write it down. And I, th- there's just like this sense of um, one, keeping the memories, two, um, understanding the emotion with it. And I've seen the involvement of how the dreams have been. And so I say this when you were mentioning kind of the power of the word and of the written word and kind of what it, it when you look back at it and you reflect and remembering your state of how you were at that time and the growth you've done. Yo, yeah, it's pretty, it's, 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 it's amazing. But at the same time, thinking about, thinking about how at that time when you probably wrote that, or I wrote that, I didn't think I could be out of that. Grow from it. Uh Yes. And And there's healing in that. Yes. And, and, and the hopefulness of it, you know, the hopefulness Mm -hmm. of it, I, I'm on walking on five years of it and, and definitely am not the same Janet that I was prior to that or the same Janet that I was when I left LA to here. I'm a completely different person and I'm, I'm grateful for it. So I would say that, you know, journaling is something that I take pride in. I, I have a, I set an alarm on my phone. I set an alarm on my phone uh-huh. and it's usually 30 minutes around my bedtime. And every single day I put it on there because there are days where like, I'm just dead tired and I just want to go to sleep. And I'm like, no. Mm-hmm. And, you know, next year is, is, is when I'll complete the book per se. Um, so I'm looking forward to like going back and reading everything because it's. it's Ooh, get ready because I know when I go back and read, I'm like, oh man, I like, I feel, I want to give my, you know, self a hug from, from when I wrote that. So give yourself yeah. some grace as you go through that too. It definitely is. So yeah, I, I, I do that. And, you know, music is another form of self-care for me and the empowerment that I find through music. Um, I've definitely leaned into podcasting, I would say the last year and a half, both from a mm-hmm. professional standpoint. So listening to women who are women in the sports industry, and they've done some sports podcasting to um, now you got another podcast to add on to the list. Listening to Latinas <laughs> like yourself that are taking on this space um, and other Latinas as well that are helping to empower women. And then, of course, um, from, from a news perspective, I listen to it. It's different. You know, I can I can multitask with it. I can clean. I can go on a run and listen to it. And there's like hours of it. So mm-hmm. it's 
early on before I thought that just eating right and sleeping right was it for self-care, but you know, you start There's evolving so much more to it. Yeah. Yes. I mean, what it's are, like, an, what are, it's in everything that we do. I mean, what are some self-care tips that you do? Um, definitely. I'm really big on journaling. Um, something that really helps me is having a morning routine. And even though it's a routine, it's how I feel good. And so waking up, um, I usually walk my dog. I will, I wake up and automatically I put, yeah, my little Demi, I automatically put workout clothes. Um, I walk her really quickly and then I jump into a workout for at least like an hour. Um, that when I do that, that really helps me in throughout the day. Um, after I do a workout, then it's like shower, coffee, breakfast. I always have breakfast every morning and then I start working. So having that like really solid in the morning helps me feel so balanced throughout the day. And there's other little things that I do throughout. Definitely. Like I take a lot of deep breaths. I take a lot of deep breaths with my clients, um, getting outside. Huh? So I say that because, um, I learned through my grief journey that, uh, I wasn't breathing right. I didn't know that. And, and a lot of the anxiousness that I was experiencing mm-hmm. um, was because I, part of it, well, most of it was learning how to breathe properly and pausing yourself mm-hmm. and being able to kind of catch it. So it's, I'm, I'm glad that you're mentioning that because I, I did. Yeah. yeah. Doing some mindful breathing. I, it's like a breathe in through your nose, out through your mouth. There's so many different techniques. But the biggest piece is that you're mindfully breathing, that you're paying attention to your breath. And I do that like throughout my sessions where like, all right, let's take a deep breath together. And so we'll do it together. Um, I do that a lot. Um, and also getting outside. Um, I, I notice that I need to get outside, even if it's just a short walk, but just take a breath of fresh air. Another, again, taking a breath um, to make me feel balanced. So those are some of like the the bigger pieces that I Practice almost like without even noticing it just, it's just part of who I am now. Well, I'm, I'm taking yeah. some notes on that. Cause I, I definitely, <laughs> especially throughout this year, change of scenery um, is mm-hmm. def- like, I feel a different energy the days that I would go out and run, especially when I was working, when I, I still am working from home, but there are days where um, I needed to go outside, just walk around my block 10 minutes. Yeah. Walk, walk. Yeah. And that will make a huge difference in your day and you will feel so much better. You'll feel a little bit more alive, more awake. Um, So there's tremendous benefits from, you know, stepping outside, even if it's five minutes, it's okay. Nothing is going to, hopefully nothing will completely come shattering down. No, it never does. It never does. I used to be very nervous about leaving my desk to go take a walk in the middle of um, the day. And when I was working um, with my, when I was working in baseball, I used to go run in the middle of the day. And for me, exercise in the middle of the day just gave me that extra charge so that Mm -hmm. come three o'clock and all of these, you know, um, all of these uh, extra hours of work wasn't felt so, so heavy at all. And Mm -hmm. it's definitely something Mm -hmm. that working from home, I incorporated now. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. Bueno, mujer, um, I heard you say that people can reach to, uh, reach out to you if they have questions. So are you open to me linking your LinkedIn or an email? You can definitely um, reach. Yes. Yes, LinkedIn. I'm on Twitter. I'm also on Instagram. Um, you can definitely open to reaching out. Um, if there's anyone that wants to get involved with WISE, uh, just in general, um, I do have contacts with a lot of the, I sit on the board of Wise Atlanta here. Um, but mm-hmm. it's, like I said, the con, the organization is, is huge. Um, there's also a new organization that recently launched that I'm really excited about called Latinx and sports. Like I said, I wish this organization oh. existed when I was growing up, but now it's here. Um, they're, they're, they're growing. It's, it's, young professionals that are entering the space and I love the the virtual cheerleading and congratulations that we do so um they're another great resource as well so thank you for inviting me to your virtual space I I feel privileged and honored to share this conversation (laughs) with you I'm proud of you 
and seeing oh, you grow you. and make an impact <laughs> as well. So from a little 17 year old when you met me and here we are. <laughs> I know. <laughs> well, thank you so much. I really appreciate you. Thank you. You're welcome. All right, everybody. Well, thank you. This was um, another episode of Therapy, et cetera. I appreciate everybody hearing, watching us. If you're watching us on YouTube, please rate, subscribe, um, do all the things on, on the on the social media platforms. You can find me on Therapy, et cetera, podcast on Instagram, Apple Podcasts, um, iHeartRadio, YouTube. So um, thank you again for listening or watching and I'll see you later. Bye. Thank you for listening to Therapy Etc. I hope you were able to gain something new from today's conversation. And if you enjoyed what you heard, the best compliment you can give us is to share this podcast with a friend and be sure to provide a review and rating on Apple Podcasts. If you have a topic you would like to learn more about, send a message and follow us on Instagram at therapyetcpodcast. Thank you so much for being here. Take care and be well.